Episode 13 of Pods in the Key of Springfield. Pods in the Key of Springfield. I'm one of your hosts, Nick. And I'm the other one of your hosts, James. And Nick, what is this podcast about? I feel like we don't explain that at the front of enough episodes. It It's a show about friendship. A show about friendship. But more specifically, and some would say more correctly, it's a show where where two old buddies, two old birthday mates, two little old bloody rouseabout roughhousing chums. Yep, both uh, born on December third. That's not just a strange thing that we correct. Yeah, yeah, we actually are birthday buddies, and um, different years, but that's fine. Yep. Um, and we we watch episodes of The Simpsons. Yep, The Simpsons, little known animated cartoon show, The Simpsons. It's quite niche. Yep. And then we uh, we prattle on about it and put it up on the internet. And do we watch the original Japanese version or are we watching the uh, dubbed version of The Simpsons? Original Japanese version. The original Japanese version of The Simpsons. Is this a Kimba the White Lion <laughs> joke? <laughs> it's a, it's an anime in general joke, I suppose. Uh, a- anime in general joke. Yep. Anime in general is one of my favourite um, uh, ranks of the army. <laughs> anime in general? Yeah. What does an anime in general do? Oh, it draws little cartoons for all the other members of the army. <laughs> they just walk around the base recommending Cowboy Bebop to everyone. <laughs> Soldier, drop and give me Evangelion! <laughs> Rest of song. Streets of Fire! <laughs> so what episodes oh, shit. did we watch of The Simpsons? Little known Japanese anime, The Simpsons. Well, we got out uh, uh, the season two DVD box set that I have, just proving that we're doing this through legal means. I mean, you say we got it out, the disc was still in the PlayStation from last week. It's theatre of the mind, James. <laughs> okay? Theatre of the Mind. Okay. So we got out um, uh, the the very legal DVD I have. I'm, I, I feel like I'm doubling you down. You're making it sound worse. Yeah, legal. I'm making it sound worse. Um, and then uh, threw the DVD away and got a bloody little torrent. No, that's fibs. Uh, we watched season two, episode nine, Itchy and Scratchy and Marge. And then we also watched season two, episode ten, uh, <laughs> Bart gets hit by a car, but I've written it for reasons I don't remember as... Bart gets hurt by a Kurt. It was Bert gets hurt by a <laughs> oh, Kurt. Oh, Bert. Bert. <laughs> yeah, that's what you were on your page. Bert gets hurt by a Kurt. Which is, uh, I mean, that's one of those things where like, we were riffing as we were writing that, and now when it comes to the point where maybe we should explain the joke, I think it wasn't actually funny. It was just one of those in the moment sort of Oh, yeah, because you, you said your silly thing, and then I accidentally wrote Bert, because I don't... I'm not. I'm not hugely familiar with The Simpsons. Yeah, that's a fib. But you're very familiar with uh, Sesame Street. Sorry, Bert was a natural go-to for you. Yes. Yes. So uh, itchy and scratchy and Marge and Poochie. That was the first episode we watched. And Michael Caine. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. And Michael, <laughs> is that you, Michael? Hello, it's me, Michael Caine. Oh, I'm sorry. We don't need you today. We're not. Uh, we're not recording the episode we said we were today. You. Can you come back another week? I wouldn't have thought so. I'm a very busy man. Not okay. a lot of people know that. Okay, well, sorry, you're going to have to fuck off and never come back then. Oh, you're not supposed to book me on the episode you don't need. 
Wow, is that Michael Caine? I don't think so. No, I didn't say anything like that. No, him. it was a pretty... <laughs> that's going to be another one of those demoralizing moments where all my life I've done a Michael Caine impression and I'm going to listen back to this recording and go, time to retire that one. Well, we couldn't be the only podcast ever recorded without a Michael Caine impression, that's, so I'm glad a, we did it. That's a good point. So, Itchy and Scratchy and Marge. Sure. First note on this one that I have, Julie Kavner, who plays Marge, is really good in this one, I thought. Yeah. She's really, um, she's adding more nuance to the role than perhaps the script demands, even, I would say. Interesting. Yes. What kind of nuance do you think she's adding? There's, I don't know, there's like, there's a, there's a quiet little depth to this performance where it seems like, uh, Marge seems real within this plot line that seems very absurd and unreal. Sure, 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 sure. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I really liked Julie Kavner. This episode... And I'm finding this with a few of the early episodes. Yeah. Not as good as I remember it being. Is, is, I'll come back to that point in a moment, but I've decided that we should start giving out awards. Is Julie Kavner your performance of the episode? Performance of the episode. All of us us things have explosions in them. (laughs) Yeah, I thought she was good. And also I didn't look up who plays any of the other characters in this one. I thought... George Meyer, everyone's favorite character, was quite good. So, so Julie Kavner gets it by default, then. Sure. All right, sweet. Congratula- Julie, congratulations, Julie. Julie, if you'd like to um, pick up your award, we will be uh, will be here for the rest of the night. So, if you're hang on a minute, by. Well, who's that walking past the window of the? Sh- oh no, Michael Caine's picked <laughs> up the award. I got to get something from my troubles. Michael oh. Caine, fuck off. Ah, oh, not a lot of people know that. Is that even a Michael quote? <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. The only context, of, I'm sure he said it in a film, but the context I know it in is hearing that clip of Michael Caine doing his Michael Caine impression. Oh, talking about, isn't it like the birthday cards that play a Michael Caine impression or something? <laughs> it's your birthday. Not a lot of people know that. I think it's like on one of those one of those UK talk shows. Parkinson. They had Michael it's on Caine. Parkinson. Parkinson, yeah. Okay. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Anyway. Master Wayne. <laughs> No, 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 you're pronouncing it wrong. It's Michael Caine. Oh, okay, okay. I'll keep working on it. Please. Uh, all right, so, God, we haven't spoken about this episode at all yet, have we? Uh, no, the fine. opening chalk gag is, I will not pledge allegiance to Bart. Which is funny because I feel in a way that we have pledged our allegiances to Bart. And mm. we're now locked into this uh, this thing we've decided to do. And this is a nice little reminder of yeah. the sacrifices we've had to make. Mm. Along the way, uh, there haven't been that many sacrifices, have there? Uh, well, you know, I, you know, my uh, my. How ferocious is the editing process? Because you've been <laughs> doing all the editing. Have you been making more sacrifices than me? You know that marriage I was in when we started this podcast. Oh, yeah. How is Michael Caine? <laughs> Why don't you ask him yourself? He's right here. <laughs> We're not doing too good anymore. Michael Caine, that's enough. All right, <laughs> three is too many. <laughs> I get the feeling that you're talking to me. <laughs> Why would you get that impression? I don't know. So this episode opens with Homer building Marge a spice rack, a spicy rack. A spicy rack. Yep, that is going to... Homer, Homer's a... he seems like a relatively solid husband in this opening moment. He promises to do something for his wife because she does so much for him. Does a terrible job of it. Yep, he has the uh, Handyman's Guide to Spice Racks, Volume 1 in a three-volume set, the last of which... 
tells you how to build a Trojan horse, apparently. This I, is a little visual gag in the episode. I enjoy that. Trojan horse, good stuff. Yep. Which seems like an enormous jump from Spice Racks to Trojan Horses. Uh, it was volumes. Spice Rack, yep. Knickknack Shelves, Trojan Horse. That's volumes one, two, and three. So I guess what I'm what, what I learned there is I didn't realize knickknack shelves were so large cuz surely you don't go from spice rack to trojan horse without a stepping stone. Yeah, that must be a complicated knickknack shelf. I would think so. Do you I think mean, you could smuggle in hundreds of greek soldiers in a knickknack shelf? I would think that you're building the spice rack and the Wait, knickknack were they, shelf. Were, were they greek soldiers or trojan soldiers? I, you know, I haven't actually read the Iliad, so I'm not entirely sure I have read the Odyssey. We can it's talk called about the Odyssey. The, it's called the Trojan Horse. Is that because it was full of Trojans getting into Greece, or it was full of Greeks getting into Troy? <laughs> wow, that seems like something we should have that seems like done something the cursory that, research on. It seems like something that two relatively smart people should know. Well, I don't know. It's not something that comes up often in my day-to-day life. That's true. So... What else happens in this episode, uh, beyond the nothing we've discussed so far? Uh, Homer is building his spice rack, and the kids have been watching uh, Itchy and Scratchy, and Maggie goes into the basement and hits Homer over the head with a mallet. He drops a nice little Alfred Hitchcock thing plays out. Can you tell me which Alfred Hitchcock movie that was a parody of? Um, so, the, the, the screeching strings, the... Yep. Someone being... Hit. Yep. And then blood dripping down a drain. Yep, while pulling down what looks like a shower curtain. Is it the birds? It's not the birds. Mm. Is it uh, 27th Step? It is not the 27th Step. Is that a Hitchcock movie? Don't think so. Uh, 29th Step. Would you like me to give you a little clue? Please. Okay. I'm going to act out a little scene uh, from the movie. Good thing for an audio medium. Yep, all right. So, <clears throat> let me just get into character here. Please. <clears throat> okay. Oh, I'm going for a nice little drive today. Going for a drive in my car. I've left my husband, and I got a bunch of money in the back. I sure hope I don't run into a psycho. I hope a psycho doesn't see me. Hope he doesn't peek out his rear window and see me. That's psycho. This road goes north by northwest, so I'm going to turn up this way. Oh, really worried about those birds over there. The birds, I guess I'd call them. Uh, I'm just about at the end of my rope. Really worried about that psycho. Is it Road to Perdition? It is Road to Perdition. All right, cool. Yeah. I feel like I've done quite well there. Yeah, that was Tom Hanks. Also, the Trojan horse was used to get the Greeks into Troy. So I feel like it should actually be called a Grecian horse. (laughs) And an anagram of Trojan Horse <laughs> is Roaster John. <laughs> Ro- did you say Roaster John? Roaster John. Roaster John. Yeah, like a John who is a roaster. Aren't you roasting a lamb right now behind us? In the- yeah, I am. There's a lamb. There's not a lamb, a section of lamb, which uh, still sounds gross, but. Anyway, it's going to be delicious. Slow that roast. sounds so much worse. You're roasting a section of lamb. Well, when you said roasting a lamb, it makes it sound like I've picked up the little, Lisa, why would you want to eat me, lamb, and hoiked it in the oven, which I kind of have. <sighs> Please don't at me. Anyway. So Bart and Nelson are friends now. That's a nice little note I picked up on this episode. Yes, Nelson walks up to Bart 
pats him on the shoulder and says, I heard about the cartoons. Tough break, man, because Bart's not allowed to watch cartoons anymore because Maggie killed her father. <coughs> yes. Yep. That's what happened. Hit him over the head. He's dead now. Mm-hmm. Death dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know you know the thing by now. Mm-hmm. And then Marge sues the Itchy and Scratchy production company for the wrongful death of her husband. Yep. They run out of money. Mm-hmm. They have to close down production. Yeah, and again, the shonky lawyer and the, the shonky doctor and, yep. you know, Mr. Burns is involved. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else happens? Uh, there's an there's a Itchy and Scratchy episode in this one. There's a lot of Itchy and Scratchy episodes, there's but eight. I really like the one where Itchy knocks out Scratchy's eyes and then leaves those two bombs in there. Yes. And Scratchy puts the bombs in his eye sockets. For some reason, that used to be my, my profile picture on Tumblr. Okay, that that's a deep bench reference that I wasn't expecting. Yep. Uh, so when when Scratchy's looking in the mirror, yep, with the bombs that somehow give him the gift of sight. That's how bombs work. Yeah. That is it. Yeah. Indisputable. Yeah. Okay. Indisputable. Well, that's just science. If it's indisputable, I'm not going to riff on it any further. Okay. Good. Uh, there are two uh, in amongst the episode. There are two letters that get written to the itchy and scratch, or two letters that get read. Yep. And they both have wonderful greetings. Or uh, salutations, I suppose. Sure. What's the thing at the start of a letter where you say, dear so-and-so? Salutation? Uh, that's <clears> a word you could use, sure. All right, let's call it that. So the first one that Marge writes is, dear purveyors of senseless violence. Yep. So, look, if you're interested in doing an iTunes review, why not start at dear purveyors of senseless violence? Or option B, which uh, gets read out later on, Dear sleaze merchants, <laughs> I'd be happy to be addressed by either of those terms. I have been addressed by both of those terms. Oh, oh. that's exciting. Yes. But yeah, write some letters. Uh, Roger Meyer, she's writing these letters too. Roger Meyer, the classic Simpsons character that everyone knows and loves. Yes. Who is Roger Meyer's? Uh, you know, you've got this whole theory that a lot of the little side characters are actually <laughs> main characters who have traveled through time. Who, who is Roger Myers? Is he like one of the kids in Springfield Elementary grows up to be Roger Myers? Do we think? I like the way you've sprung this on me. <laughs> yep. That's my favorite aspect uh, uh, of this little riff. Is the point of podcasting not to catch your friends in a trap? I don't know. I'm feeling very trapped. <laughs> like the lamb I've got in the oven. Um, <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> it keeps bleating. <laughs> All right. Uh, Nick, hang on. Nick. So. <laughs> Why would you roast me? I'm trying to think. So, I mean, one of the things for my omelette theory, which is, I'm just referring to it as omelette theory now, is that, you know, I tend to go for similarities in voice, similarities in demeanor, similarities in appearance. Roger Meyer, I'm not really picking up who his his alternate omelette could be. My thought would be maybe Wendell. You know, Wendell spent his whole life on the verge of vomiting. He's been feeling sick. Sure. He thinks, you know what? I'm going to make the whole world vomit alongside me. I'm going to release this very violent cartoon. Very violent cartoon. Yep. And I'm going to make people feel sick. I'm going to make them turn on each other. I'm going to bathe the world in violence. This world that has... Bathe the world in violence. That has so sickened me. That's interesting. Mm. That's interesting. Well... Currently, that's my leading theory on who... Well, that's that, that's yeah. my preferred theory on who Roger Meyer is. Okay. If I can think of any more, I'll let you know. 
So we're, we're about an hour and a half into this episode. I feel like we haven't really said what actually happens in this episode. Oh, yeah. Marge gets angry at the cartoon. Uh, she has a letter campaign. The cartoon changes. Uh, Michelangelo's David shows up. And uh, nothing happens in the end, really. It's a very strange episode. Mm. This is an episode that I remembered liking. And it's an episode that I thought going in... I remembered how this episode ends with, like, the Michelangelo's David thing, and then Marge really likes that mm. piece of art, and in my head I was thinking, that's a fairly clever way to resolve the episode, to have Marge mm. push in this position where, you know, she disagrees with this other form of censorship, and it turns out her complaint was very specific and all of that, but actually watching this episode again, I cannot for the life of me figure out what this episode is trying to say, but I'm pretty sure it's trying to say something. Yeah, that's something I found, too. Yeah. It, um... Uh, it's one of those episodes where it presents all sides of the argument as being bad and invalid. Yep. <laughs> and then pits two points that it's discrediting against each other. And you end up walking away going, so wait, which side was the good side and which side was the bad? Yeah, it kind of feels like a bad episode of South Park at times. Just this sort of like all sides are wrong, fuck it, you know, yeah, the only South, cool thing South is to Park have no always, opinion. Yeah, South Park always goes for the all sides are wrong, doesn't it? And it's, you know, it's a little more good natured than that would be and probably honestly a little less funny than a, you know, a good episode of South Park would be. Yeah. But also, this is a weird one. It's, yeah. Also, I think it's interesting to watch it from an Australian perspective because and now I'm going out on a limb here because I've, you know, you know more about film and, and um, content generally more than sure. I do. But as a sideline observer, I find it interesting that America tends to have a cultural equation where extreme violence and nudity are viewed as being equally damaging. Oh, if anything, nudity is thought of as more damaging, more damaging in terms of how their rating system works yeah like uh, and they've got weird laws like uh showing a woman being sexually pleasured for some reason is far more egregious than showing a man being sexually pleasured mm. for instance mm. like if you show somebody going down on a woman you will get a higher rating than if you apply a blowjob happens yeah that yeah yeah and so it's interesting that you know the at the end of this episode where marge is like no the statue's fine it's it's like a, a piece of fine art Everyone thinks, well, this is ridiculous. This is as damaging as the highly violent cartoons. Now, I'm not saying that highly car highly violent cartoons are or are not damaging, but I, it, I don't know. You know who else doesn't seem to have a clear opinion on this? Who? The fucking episode itself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm as confused as the episode because I watched the episode. Yeah. I mean, uh, one word that I have written on my paper here is centerist. This seems like a episode that just falls directly in the middle of this issue that it seems to wanted to talk about and of course there's an element of self uh self-satire here in that the simpsons is a cartoon sure. largely watched and enjoyed by adults that is now talking about sure you know the ridiculousness of adults watching cartoons and the... it's largely talked about by really cool guys in their 30s who have a <laughs> podcast yeah and, and lamb in the oven yeah this episode it seems to present Marge's argument that the show is going to cause children to become violent is inherently ridiculous, even though in the show a lot of guys have been hit by kids who have watched it. That's mm. obviously very silly. And then the backlash is ridiculous. Like, mm. way too many letters are being sent to Roger Meyer 
who is way too big of an asshole and is very bad at arguing his case. The whole, you know, ridiculous straw man. Did you ever hear about the Crusades? They were violent well yeah, before yeah, cartoons yeah, yeah. sort of yeah. position. This is like nobody presents a good argument for anything in this episode that is largely about arguing things. Was this a um, a purposeful parallel slash parody of the... Was No, this is too early for the violent video game debate, isn't it? Not really. Uh, uh, actually, yes. Mortal Kombat was still a little while off. Yeah, okay. What about... Um, could it have been a corollary to the rap music debate? Was this when they started putting the censorship stickers on albums? Uh, I mean, maybe, but it also <laughs> seems like if it is, it is so loose that you couldn't really couldn't solidly really that. make that connection. I think it is ex- actually just about cartoons, cartoons and probably like right. some backlash The Simpsons itself would have received. But And the way like the writers of the of the uh, Itchy and Scratchy show are, I'm pretty sure, uh, meant to parallel the writers of The Simpsons. They're sure. meant to look the same. Sure. They've all got these fancy Harvard degrees and whatnot. Mm. Um, interesting difference is that there appear to be some women in the writing room of the Itchy and Scratchy show. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, one. One. Which is, um, I'm going to... 100% more than we're in the Simpsons writing room at this stage. Yeah, I want to talk about that a bit more for the next episode, but I found out the other day that the first episode of The Simpsons was written by Mimi Pond, I believe her name is. Yes. And the first episode, pretty good, pretty well written. Like, uh, sure. as much as we riffed and gagged on it, it was pretty solid. But uh, Mimi Pond was not allowed to become a member of the Simpsons writing room or writer's room because Sam Simon was going through a divorce at the time and did not want any women in the room. Mm. And I think we really feel the absence of any sort of uh, woman in that room in the next episode yep. a lot. Yeah. But also in this episode, the um, the campaign to get Itchy and Scratchy taken off the air or changed is largely presented as a women's movement. Yeah. But then it is, once the Da Vinci or Leonardo, whatever the fuck, comes into it, Michelangelo. Michelangelo. Yeah. Yeah, Michelangelo, Da Vinci, they're all the same person. Once once this comes into I mean, into they it, all existed in the same Assassin's Creed storyline. <laughs> That's true, they did. So In the best one as well. I, I love that about the Assassin's Creed franchise. It's just like, hey, here you are in a random time and place in town. Here are the five most famous people of this yeah. century. And they're all at the same cafe as you having coffee or whatever happened in that game. Hey, George, it's me, your cousin, Marvin Washington. <laughs> you know that revolution you've been planning? <laughs> well, listen to this. I mean, you, you couldn't jump into a you couldn't jump into a hay bale in renaissance italy without meeting a famous person i've always said that da vinci was often he was a hay baler he was a hay baler that's well established but um yes it's presented as this woman's movement and then once uh david arrives in the town with his little statuey dick Mm -hmm. it is presented as a hysterical group of women who have Mm. uh completely misjudged how to interpret and enjoy art and that's not great uh speaking of speaking of statues arriving by the way yeah i feel like we should maybe check in on an issue that we raised in a previous episode uh, yes yes so when we were talking about the telltale head yeah and we both riffed on how statues are pointless and useless and should all be torn down yep so we recorded that so just for the benefit of um, anyone listening along we recorded that in like March 2017, I reckon. Yep. And about six months later, 
all the statue stuff in America started kicking off. At so, about the time we released the episode. At as about well. the time we released it. So yep, because uh, by the time you hear this episode, we recorded this at least two months ago. Yeah, and you know, I just want to. I mean, I'm just raising it to say that that was a weird thing for us to to have this silly little riff about yep. the unimportance of statues, yep. and then for the first time in a very, very long time, statues become literally front-page yeah, news everywhere. Yeah, because Confederate statues are being torn down. And just for the record, fuck Confederate statues. Oh, yeah, fuck them. By all means, tear down any statue that has any power to upset or offend. Mm. And it, it kind of concerns me because it makes me think, what other things that we riff about <laughs> are going to become front-page news? I think, you know, in episode 10... Uh, which hasn't gone up yet, but we talk of a long time there about real estate agent Mr. Plute. I'm concerned that Plute's going to become front page news in, you know, I mean, Neil deGrasse Tyson's probably going to say that Plute's not even a planet anymore. Oh, man. That's a weird joke. I do like the way you flipped to the to a page and you picked a random object on the page yeah. and it was something so inconsequential. As Plute. <laughs> hey, hey, don't. Don't you dare cast aspersions <laughs> on the consequentiality of Plute. I'm sure Plute will come back yeah. at some point. He'll be in league with Dr. Colossus. You know, they're going to cause a housing crash or something. That's an interesting point. But um, the other thing is, like, the episode's argument that cartoon violence is fine is also so incredibly weak. Yeah. That it's uh, just, yeah, nobody is good at stating any sort of case in this episode. And it's very bad at making anything he's trying to say clear at all. Another thing in this episode that hit me, at one point they show the animator's room before Itchy and Scratchy turns into just a garbage show with nothing going on in it, yep. and they're talking about Itchy stealing Scratchy's ice cream, and one of the animators says, uh, can it be a pie? Pies are easier to draw. I gotta call bullshit on that. There is no way a pie is easier to draw than an ice cream. Well, that's, a, that's an interesting point. An ice cream is a triangle and a circle. Mm. I mean, a pie is still a circle, but it's like oblong. It's like it's harder to hold. You can't just show them holding it one-handed. You've got to do the, the same way. You've got to do the crust. Yep. Is it a lattice top pie? You've got to decide whether there's any sort of uh, whether it's in something or whether it's just a pie outside a, of any sort of container. Is it an American sweet dessert pie or like an Australian like meat pie? A pie's how, just not how as do you... fun as an ice cream either, I think, well, to draw. See, it's interesting you say that, because I think pies aren't as fun as ice creams, but I think pies are funnier than ice creams. You pie... think pies are funnier than ice creams? Pies are inherently funnier to me. Okay. I have no follow-up comments. Huh, because I feel like... Well, the originally, you know, Marge says share the pie, which makes sense. If they kept it as an ice cream, you can't share a single ice cream between two people. Unless there's two scoops and, you know, little Lisa's crying and you sure. drop one of the scoops into her cone. Drop but, one of the uh, scoops into her cone. I don't know. I just, I don't buy it. I don't think pies are funnier than ice cream. I don't think they're right. easier to draw. I like pie, but in the context of this show, this is a bullshit argument and I will right. not have it. All right, cool. Are you going to write a letter of complaint to Roger Meyer? Oh, I've already written a letter of complaint to Roger Meyer. He sent me this letter back. Oh. And, um... The closing line is something, 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 <laughs> and the horse I rode in on. Very good. Which, by the way, I do like that in this episode, he does send Marge this letter, and she reads it, and it's obviously implied that he said in this letter, fuck mm. you and the horse you rode in on. Yes. Which is an insane thing for the executive producer of a children's cartoon to send in the mail to somebody. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I guess this is before the internet where you would really get fucking dragged for doing this. Yeah, that's true. But it's still nuts. Um, have I showed you the letter I got from the executive producer of Teletubbies? It is graphic. <laughs> also, I like the way that your eyebrows hit the ceiling then going, have you got a letter from the executive <laughs> producer of the Teletubbies? No, I haven't. I'll just, just Dear make- Nick, for the last time, Tinky Winky is not real. <laughs> you need to stop writing these letters. You are a 29-year-old man. This is last year. Uh, oh, yes, good. Please, for the love of God, go outside, get some sunlight, and stop writing to Tinky Winky. And then I wrote back saying, but the sun doesn't have a baby's face in it. <laughs> and uh, what can you tell me about Poe? I want to know about him. I like his style. So, so Nunu, the vacuum, appears to be sentient. Is the trash that she's... Is she... Is she vacuuming up rubbish as a favor, or is that her form of sustenance? Please return your answer. Here's a self-addressed prepaid envelope. It doesn't really make sense that either of us know anything about the Teletubbies. We are both too old to have even watched it when it was on TV, and yet we both have, apparently. Yeah, no, I watched quite a bit of the Teletubbies. I watched... There was this weird thing I remember at... The school that we both went to, but we were in different grades. I don't even know if you were at the school at this point. Choir school. Yes, the choir school. But there was a weird thing where a lot of kids were watching the Teletubbies that I knew. And it was being framed as this ironic thing we were all doing. But we were too young for irony, really. We were like 11. Too young for irony. Too old, Yeah, too young for irony. Too old for the Teletubbies. So I don't know what was going on exactly. You were the first generation that marketers now call tweenies. Twinnies? Because they're in between child and teenager. Yeah. It's the exact market that the Teletubbies is not marketed towards. Correct. Uh, Have you ever seen the show Boobar? Boobar? Okay, everyone, please get onto the YouTube or other video streaming service of your choice. Yep, Vimeo, sure. Vimeo, Daily Motion, whatever it is. Yep. And look up a kids TV show called Boobar. It is a psychedelic nightmare of a show. Okay. It's basically like giant rainbow taste buds that spin. I don't know that I care for that. Do you want me to pull it up on the screen? Not really, no. We're recording a podcast. Why do you think that microphone's in your face? (laughs) Did you think I was just talking to you for for the sake of our friendship? Why do you think Michael Caine's in your face? Uh Um, Uh, Have you got anything more to say? Oh, can I say one more thing about uh, Itching and Scratching and Marge? Sure. Uh, appearance of one of my favourite characters, Dr. Marvin Monroe. It sure does. He appears via satellite from Vienna yep. and then from Greece, I think it was. Yeah, like Athens, I think, Athens, maybe. Yeah. yeah. And he's a bit of a dick in this one. Yeah, he's not. A bit of a fucking moron. Yeah, Which what... he always has been, but it seems like the show is actually acknowledging it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Don't much care for that, man. I, well, he's one of my favourites, so. One other thing I do want to note about this episode, which, uh, as I said, not as good as I remembered. I didn't like it that much. Uh, some good jokes in there, but fucking weird. Doesn't know what it's saying. Feels out of date at this point. But at one point on that late line with Kent Brockman or whatever the show is called. Smart line. Smart line. Except sure. you've got, you got to hold the M. Smart line. Smart line. Nickelodeon. Yep, they are. They say that the topic for next week is religion, which is the one true faith. So, Nick, which is the one true faith? Ah, <laughs> uh, look, <laughs> how am I supposed to answer this? 
That's just started raining. That's interesting. Um, uh, so, season two, episode ten. Bert gets hurt by a Kurt. Yeah. Um, or as uh, I've got a board gets hurt by a court. Which is actually kind of what happens. It, it, is, it is kind of what happens. <laughs> he does get hurt by a court. You know, hurt by a court. Um, this uh, is the Dr. Zeus version. Yes. Um, Bart gets hurt by a cart. Another very Mr. Burns heavy episode. Nick, would you say that Mr. Burns is the seventh Simpson? He, what, as in, of the family? Yeah. No, After he's, Homer. He's a character in the show. And Marge and Bart. He's not a member of the family. And Lisa and Maggie. And the town of Springfield itself. No, no, I refuse to acknowledge that the town of Springfield's a character. Okay, you're right on both counts. A Let's town g- being a character would be ridiculous. Oh, that'd be insane. Yeah. What is this, a Buddy Holly film? Um... So, uh, first thing I've got here is my favourite sign in... Oh, I'm jumping a long way forward. You're not going to like this. That's fine. Jump forward, jump forward, jump around, jump around. (laughs) When we go to Dr. Nick's offices for the first time, uh, when dodgy lawyer Lionel Hutz is trying to get an advantageous medical diagnosis, um, there's a sign that says, yes, we use anaesthetic. Yeah. Handy bit of advice to have on a doctor's surgery sign, I would have thought. That's good to know. Good to know they'll be injecting you with the right things. Mm. Mm, yes. This episode, Bug gets hit by a car, Mr. Burns is driving, they try to sue Mr. Burns, doesn't go well, uh, Homer and Marge nearly break up, the ending's kind of bullshit, we'll get to it in a moment. Mm. Right at the start, Bud's skateboarding around, and one thing that I was thinking while watching this, and... uh Probably would have made more sense to say this last episode when we were talking about Bart the Daredevil. Bart's a fucking incredible skateboarder. He is very good at oh, skateboarding. I've, you know, I've never even clicked on that. Like, yeah. I just took it as granted that all 10-year-old boys can skate like that. Well, this links back to I what I I thought I was said. the one outlier. <laughs> what I said back in episode two about Bart secretly actually being an underappreciated genius, a really clever sure. kid... Like, this is abnormally good skateboarding, especially for a kid of his age. He Mm. is phenomenally good. That's true. At skateboarding. So you see him skateboarding around, and then he gets hit by Mr. Kearns, is it? Mr. Kearns. Yes. Yep. He gets hit by Burnsy, and uh, he flies up in the air, lands... Sorry, I I had a blank look on my face then, because I was wondering if I could make a typography joke, (laughs) and just say that he goes around kerning different... (laughs) different characters to put them different widths apart well nick i'd like to say thank god you didn't thank, thank god i didn't go down that road <laughs> so he hits what bart. an unproductive riff but uh falls to the ground seemingly dead uh one rating of course would be the rest of the episode is a death dream mm, i don't much care for that no okay fair enough so but he does leave his body he gets on this golden escalator to heaven he hears the voice of uh, Phil Hartman, mm-hmm. who is God, makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. He spits over the edge. They get sent to hell, and hell is hell is lovely in The Simpsons. It is a beautifully realized version of hell, I think. Yeah, it's quite. Um, uh, it's visually stimulating. Yeah, that's often, for sure. It opens with a there's a parody of a painting here. I don't know which one, but, but I'm sure it's a wonderful one. Yeah, <laughs> the fact that we don't do any research at all is hitting again. But uh, I mean. I think I saw that being made in Assassin's Creed. Wasn't a collaboration between <laughs> Michelangelo and uh, and David, the statue that came to life, and Da Vinci and bloody Ezio and all the others, and Rico from Just Cause Two. 
think Just Cause 2 is involved? I think so. Okay. Well, what actually what happens in uh, Assassin's Creed, I think you'll find, is that he goes into the Sistine Chapel, and they're painting this hellscape on the ceiling, and uh, Ezio says, Oh, I don't much care for this. <laughs> what if it was an angelic painting? I'm Ezio Auditore di Firenze. And what can you tell me about Javier Escuela? That is a deep cutscene video game reference. Ah, uh, I enjoy it. Is it worth explaining? Nope. So um, the devil. Yeah. The devil okay. yep. sees Bart and he goes to his computer to look up whether Bart is meant to be dead or not. And he says, the next time, you know, you're meant to come here the next time the Yankees win a pennant. Sure. Boy, is my face red. Looked it up. The Yankees won the pennant in 1996, 1998, 1999, 2000, 2001, 2003, and 2009. So Bart's died a lot. Yes. Wait, has he died every time or just the once and that was enough? Well, how does death work? Either he died in 1996... Or on each of these dates, he had a very close encounter with death. Right, so Bart's like a cat with nine lives. Yeah, and he's like a bird in that he needs to fly he, away. <laughs> doesn't know where his home is. Which <laughs> does not describe birds at all, of course. Out of all the things I was expecting us to possibly go down, wasn't he spending Nelly Furtado to get a drive-by? <laughs> Nelly, remember, birds do build nests. They know exactly where their homes are, as Sean McAuliffe has pointed out. Big shout out to Nelly Furtado if she's listening. Not to mention Sean McAuliffe, who is, uh, I guess, of the two more likely to hear this, even though he will not hear it. Oh, no chance. Sean McAuliffe, you, if you are out there, though, we are huge fans. Uh, Big fans. Let's use this podcast as an opportunity to reach out and say, Sean, we really like you. We think you're very funny. Yeah. Yeah. I particularly like it just after you've had a shave, because then you are a freshly shorn Sean McAuliffe. Yeah, that's okay. I think he's probably stopping the episode when he hears that. <laughs> that's what pushed him over the um, line. I'm sorry. That's fair enough. Does Bart play baseball, by the way? Do we ever see Bart playing baseball? Uh, we do in, like, season 25, I want to say. Yeah, because... Where they do the Moneyball parody. Because Bart's concerned about he's never going to play baseball again, and then Marge is like, but he played baseball this morning. Where yeah. the fuck? What? What? I've been watching The Simpsons for several episodes now. We're up to season two, episode ten. Haven't seen baseball come up yet. He hasn't mentioned... Oh, he's had a baseball bat, I suppose. There's always one hanging around his bedroom. Sure. Homer plays softball, but seems to have uh, no real interest in baseball beyond going to the occasional game. Homer's done... Anyway. Yeah. Uh, I guess we should try to go through this episode in order, should we? <laughs> Just in case... Uh... I Anyone hate... listening has not heard, watched The Simpsons ever in their lives? Sure. Mum, if you're listening. Sean McAuliffe, if you're listening. <laughs> Michael Caine, if you're listening. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Is he Michael Caine back again? No. Then who is that? Oh, it's just one of your co- it's one, one of your co-hosts. Yeah. <laughs> Rob Brydent, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> so, look, I got some legal questions for you because you are involved in the legal profession. I am. And this is an episode largely about Mr. Burns getting sued by the Simpsons. Yes. A few things I want to ask you. <laughs> sure. And these are, these are pretty low-ball questions. I'm not going to hit you with anything ridiculous here, as I did on the previous episode repeatedly. <laughs> I enjoyed that. So, um, first of all, from what you viewed in this episode, is Mr. Burns criminally liable in this situation? Okay. Was Bard in the wrong? Was Mr. Burns in the wrong? 
what would you be declaring in a situation like okay. this? Okay, first thing I'm going to declare is we're not looking at criminal liability yep. because it is uh, it is not the state that is suing Mr. Burns, it is another person, which means we're looking at civil liability. Criminal liability, you need to show the elements of an offence beyond all reasonable doubt. Civil liability, you're looking at things on the balance of probabilities, so closer to is it more likely than not that Burns was at fault. Now... In terms of the actual accident, very interesting question as to whether or not Burns is at fault because Bart is skating on a footpath. He comes off the footpath onto a pedestrian crossing when he's hit. Um, in Australia, it's illegal to skate on footpaths so that you could say that there was some contributory negligence on Bart's behalf because he put himself in the wrong spot. Sure. Um, but at the end of the day, on my reading of that accident, Burns didn't slow down enough when approaching the pedestrian crossing and if uh, but for, this, this is one of the tests we use in, in law, the, the but for test, because we need to show causation yeah. between the accident and the injury. So, but but for Mr. Burns failing to slow down, Bart would not have sustained the injuries. Therefore, I reckon Burns is probably uh, in some trouble. But there would be... So what I suspect would happen if this was a real court case is that they would find that uh, Burns was liable for some degree of damages. Of course, in Australia, with compulsory third-party insurance, stuff like that, his insurance company would step in anyway, but mm. I'm going to say Burns for the sake of this. Um, they would agree on what um, the damages figure should be. So damages is the money that you get paid for your medical expenses and your injuries and for pain and suffering and for all that kind of stuff. We don't call it pain and suffering. We call it non-economic loss. And then there would be possibly a reduction of that amount. So we, we find out what the full amount is and then we say, yeah, but Bart was in the wrong spot doing the wrong thing, so we'll knock it down by 20 or 25%. Okay. When you say this is obviously a civil case, but shouldn't Burns maybe also be criminally negligible in what he did? Is there not a case here that it, you know, the, yeah, the police if, could get involved? If, if the police wanted to prosecute it, they could. They could do him for, under the Australian rules, driving without due care or yep. something like that. But because he is a rich white man, it just doesn't happen? Ooh, um, yes. Which I mean, is sort of implied in the episode. Yeah, that's a really good point. There is a point where Mr. Burns in court says that because he is rich and powerful, I should be able to run over as many kids as I want. Is that a good defense? Um, Look, I would advise my clients against running that defense sure i feel like um there'd be some public policy issues with that offense with that defense being accepted if the family had chosen to sue using a good lawyer maybe the outcome of this would have been different do you think because it definitely seems like they have an actual case yes i think they have a case i think lionel hutz tries too hard yeah um I mean, obviously, that's the whole joke with Lionel Hutz is that he's a shonky lawyer. But, yep. you know, if they were going for a more reasonable settlement, then... Yep. Mind you, the American system is a little bit different and their settlements do tend to be a little bit more insane than ours. But Yeah, there's definitely more of a culture around suing each other in the US, isn't there? Yes, yes, there is. Yes. Yes, yes there is, Kent. Yes, there is, Kent. So, why is that? It, it seems weird to me that the family is initially so opposed to the idea of suing when they have a definite clear case against him yeah that i find that as being weird i mean i just took that as a narrative device to heighten the actions of um lionel hutz yep and dr nick riviera hi everybody hello nick that's me yeah you're nick your co-host nick yeah and i'm james 
Oh, hey, the man. other guy on the podcast. Hey, man. Hey, how's it going? You yeah, doing well? Right. I'm alright. Okay. Uh, what else happens in this episode? It, it, I feel like that was a solid five minutes of like serious discussion about an issue. Mm, yeah. Can we? Can we never do that again? <laughs> <laughs> Why not? It was good. Okay. You know, once we get to an episode that. I mean, the thing is, none of these episodes tap into my areas of expertise at all. Bullshit. There's an episode about a film critic. That's true. I can there's talk there's several one. episodes about video games and whatever else it is you do. <laughs> Maybe one day you should just read your video game thesis. That'll be an episode of the podcast. Yeah, that'll be like a 10-hour episode where I just sit down and yeah. read out my thesis. Something I'd really like to do yeah. is one day do an episode where you read... The entirety of your thesis. Sure. But I've got a microphone set up in the kitchen and I'm just like cooking and cleaning and fucking around and occasionally coming in with comments. <laughs> just coming in with your own little story that with, you've... With my own little up. stories, yeah. Just little anecdotes about your life. Ruining the flow of your thesis as I go. I want to jump forward to the courthouse itself because there is some, some stuff going on in here that we both noted. Looking in the background... Of the oh, court yeah. scenes. There is some really interesting stuff going on in the background during the scene where there's the... Is it a deposition? Is that what's going on? Um, yeah. In, in, I mean, we have the term deponent in Australia. We don't tend to use the word deposition here in Australia, but yep. yes. Yeah, there's a... God, I've just realized it's like a major thing from last episode that I forgot to talk about as well. I'll slip that in at the end. Anyway... Looking in the background, at one point we see the little dudes Akbar and Jeff from Life in Hell oh, yeah. are in the crowd here, which is interesting to me because, you know, some people might write this off as a funny little animation gag, but clearly what Matt Groening, or should I say Matt Groening, Meow. is doing here is implying that these worlds are connected and that, you know, at some point there will be a... An episode where they all come together. Okay, hang on. L- let me just clarify for my own understanding. Yep. Is this you doing an addendum to omelette theory? Is this two worlds colliding like a freshly flipped omelette? Well, this or- would be like a Spanish omelette, I suppose, where you add a bit of like a, you know, capsicum. In, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I like that we, the, <laughs> The, I said capsicum, you said pepper, thereby... <laughs> I was going for the international audience yeah, yeah, while yeah. you were appeasing the Australian audience. I was. We, yeah. did, we did well. Just just <laughs> like we do with every other reference we make. Um, so, Akbar and Jeff, um, how familiar are you with Life in Hell? Uh, does not at all count as an answer? Obviously. Not at all, Tim. Okay, thanks. Um, yeah, so Akbar and Jeff are these two little dudes wearing feathers. They're... They're like a gay couple. They have a little relationship. They're weird. It's a weird cartoon. Hang on. They look identical. They wear feathers. Uh, One of the comics is about like one of them saying they got like tested and then the other one's like freaked out. And it's meant to be obviously like it's implying like an STD test has happened. Right. And they freak out and then there's this like... 14 identical panels of them like on opposite sides of the room and then the last one's them sitting right next to each other again which is what life in hell always was like it's just identical panel after identical panel after identical panel working towards a very mild pleasant joke right okay i just want to clarify that when when you were describing the characters and you said 
they're gay, they're in a relationship, they're weird. Yep. The weirdness wasn't based on their gay relationship. Oh, no, was of it? course not. Okay, no, no, cool. no. They're cool, just cool, like cool, separately cool. weird. Okay, okay, cool. <laughs> but uh, they're like they're kind of cool characters. Yep. It's kind of um you know, I kind of to be honest, I haven't read like enough Life in Hell to know whether I'm gonna make a faux pas here and saying that they're sure. Like a fun, good portrayal, because I'm sure, you know, if you read, maybe there's somebody out there who has like yeah. a very good counter argument to that statement. Sure, 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 sure. But, sure. um, yeah, interesting to see them pop up in the background. Very here. interesting to see them pop up. Just to clarify, I knew that that was going to be your stance. I just wanted to clear <laughs> yeah. it off for any listeners that <laughs> yeah, were confused. Sure. Yeah. I also, like in the, in the comics, like their fezzes are constantly flying off their heads whenever they're surprised. So it's unfortunate that didn't happen here. That would have been sweet. That would have been lovely. Then there's I, another scene where they're about to call Marge up to the stand to yeah. ruin the whole case, mm-hmm. which we'll get into in a moment because it's fucked. But uh, <laughs> behind Marge, you can see several people uh, who are watching the case because for some reason this case has a huge crowd watching it. And there's some interesting characters in this uh Yes, in this I mean, it is a very... And uh, I, I mean, I assume that maybe the... the cover art for this particular episode of our podcast is going to be that still i I'm, think that's fair to say i'm guessing so i encourage people to go have a look at it because um there's a there's a very dense array of characters here so we've got someone who directly next to marge's eyeball um is someone who i've called necky becky yep her neck is about what three meters t- long you reckon uh yeah give or take at least um no explanation of it yeah. Just someone with an extraordinarily long neck. Nicky perhaps Becky, giraffe, Geraldine. Perhaps her dad was a giraffe. Could have been. I mean, we just don't know. We had what I'm going to call fucked Skinner. Okay. Skinner, I, but just like slightly melted. My note said pseudo Skinner, but someone who is dressed in Su, the- Sue Pseudo Skinner. <laughs> yes. Yep. Someone who is dressed in the exact same, I was about to say costume- Probably outfit. Yep. Exact same outfit as Skinner, but does not look like Skinner. Yep. Next to him is like a young-ish Barney Gumble. Yeah, like a Barney that has his life together. A Barney that has his life together. But, yeah. well, is this more omelette stuff? Ooh, or, or something. Is, is this entire courtroom existing in the omelette verse where we've got, you know, similar but different characters appearing in the same universe as themselves? Could be that. Could be Colossus clones. Colossus clones. We I haven't like, talked about our old mate Doctor Colossus in a while. I like Colossus clones even more. Yeah, I'm sure that's probably like an event they have planned for the Simpsons tapped out at some point. Colossus clones. I'm sure it is. Sweet. We had uh, Jacques. Jacques himself and, is back there. See, but see, that's interesting though because it's just Jacques. Yeah. Not like deformed alternate universe omelet Jacques. Yeah. Just Jacques. Jacques, just pesty Jacques, popping up in the courthouse. Mm. Which is weird when you think about the last time we saw him. Like, is he still following Marge around? Oh, wow. That's a dark twist. Is that an implication there? Is he, <laughs> if we were paying closer attention, would we be seeing him pop up in the background of other episodes? I think we might be. Should Marge put out an intervention order against him? Well, you're the, you're the law guy, you tell me. Well, I don't know. It's, I mean, so intervention order, orders are the things that everyone thinks are called restraining orders. Yeah. Um, if I was Marge, I'd be looking at saying, hey, 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 I want this guy 200 metres away from me at all times. It's 
probably why he appears to keep popping up around me. Yeah, he can't just show up to the courthouse when I'm he's in just the middle con- of a trial. He's constantly hocking onion rings into my hair. <laughs> how- Four of them each time. Yeah, how many of them? Four. Yeah. There's a what I think is meant to be an analog of Schwarzwelder. I think he was on the show by now. Okay, surely. There's a guy who looks a lot like Schwarzwelder, based on what little I know about what Schwarzwelder looks like. A very Schwarzwelderian character. Sure. There is, and this is particularly obscure, there is the guy who greets Homer inside the Quickie Mart back in Homer's Night Out by saying, Hey, hey! Oh, so not the a-doody-doo-doo-doo, doody-doody-doody-doo, not that guy. No, he doesn't say a doody-doody-doo to Homer 2 in this episode. It's the other guy. Is the hey hey guy the big hey hey guy? Well, yeah. see that's even inter- more interesting then because he's sitting next to Jacques. Yeah. So is the hey hey guy a pest who's following Homer, hoping that the hey hey guy can also fall into the lap of a very tame exotic dancer? And then while he's following Homer being a pest, you've got Jacques following Marge being a pest. What's going on with the inhabitants of Springfield? And where the fuck is Norman? Yeah, I, I couldn't see anyone in that crowd scene that I was willing to pin on being Norman. Yeah, Norman, who we've been looking for ever since episode one, where Homer talks to him, sight largely unseen. We're not mm. sure who he was exactly, but we know that Norman is out there somewhere. Norman is out there somewhere, and we will make it. We, well, we are making it our effort to track him down and find him. All right, well, uh, we've been going for a long time, and I've still got like four things to say. So, so I might just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> now, they lose the court case because uh, Marge whiffs it. And she whiffs it pretty severely. There's a scene where they're all eating dinner, and Bart talks about the things that they could have bought if they had a million dollars. And the three things he lists are maids, a pool, and fancy sweaters. Fancy sweaters. Which I think is adorable, but also fucking strange. I mean, in terms of the writing of this show, that that's what they settled on. Given what we've seen from Bart so far, shouldn't it be tattoos and video games? Tattoos, video games. Tattoo removal. Tattoo removal. And, uh... Reconstructive surgery for his parts, which you're convinced have been burned off. <laughs> yes, and glue, because the family doesn't have enough glue. Ah, uh, that's a good point. Yeah. So, the weird thing about this episode is, the episode is called Bart Gets Hit by a Car. By the end, it is not about Bart at all. Bart has just sort of dropped off into the background. Mm, good point. And for some reason, the last three minutes of the episode becomes about Homer and Marge's marriage. Just yeah. Kind of out of nowhere. That's what the episode becomes about. Mm. And it's at this point where I turned to you and said, it is really clear like what the the damages of not having any women in the writer's room because this does not track at all. Marge is written very inconsistently in the first few seasons of the yeah. show. And this is a fucking weird plot line. Yeah, Homer loses an opportunity to scam a court case to get some money and then decides he doesn't love his wife anymore yeah. after 10 years and three children. Wow. Uh, yeah, he goes to the bar and he says, you know, I'm worried that when I look at you, I'm just going to see the dame who ruined my one big shot or something. It's like, yeah. your son was hit by a car. Hit This is by not a like car. a good opportunity for you. You know, you're trying to get compensation for like a genuinely traumatic event your son went through exactly which has sort of been brushed under the rug at this point like especially nobody ever takes it very seriously the Bart was hit by a car in this episode yeah. at all well i suppose that's because hibbert writes it off as just a broken toe and a 
and a sore head. Which is still pretty bad. And yeah, he I mean, got hit by a fucking car. Like, if that's I, a very upsetting thing to happen to a ten-year-old. I, that's good. That that's a good angle. Is it's yeah. going to be a very um, traumatic, a very psychologically traumatic uh, event for Bart. Yeah, and it's by like a guy he recognizes as well, and mm. like you know they're not nice about it, and he does briefly die, and then yeah, returns to life. That's true. Yeah, like, we have you see his soul go to hell. Mm. I, this should be awful. This is a hugely traumatic thing, and it's largely swept away in favor of this weird plot where Homer's upset that Marge cost him a million dollars because he tried to be shady in the trial. Yeah. And it just doesn't work at all, and it feels weird and uncomfortable, and I don't much care for how this episode ends. And yeah. then, of course, Homer says, oh, I, I love you in the end, I guess, Marge. And you're like, oh, thanks, Homer. It's great. Yeah, yeah, it's a very um, cheap attempt for romantic resolution where none was required. Yeah, none, none was required. Would have been fine without it. The um, the note that I forgot from the last episode. And this is the last thing I have to say on this uh, sure. like forty-hour episode we've recorded. Are you, you going to try and splice this back into where it belonged, or are you going to leave it at the end of? I'll just leave it at the end. It's oh, fine. Sweet. Sorry. So, in the previous episode, there is a line that Homer says. 20 million women in the world, and I had to marry Jane Fonda. Yes. Now, one reading of this is that Homer's an idiot. Sure. And doesn't know how many people there are in the world. Yes. The other read, of course, is that there are only 20 million women left in the world, implying there are maybe 40 million people in the world, Mm. implying that The Simpsons is set in a post-apocalyptic world. That's an interesting take. Nick, Nick. Yeah, man? Why do you think their skin is that bright yellow color? Due to some kind of horrible incident? It could be. You know what? Maybe. But James. Yeah? Who would have been in charge of the horrible incident? I was a guessing man. And in the context of what is happening right now, I am a guessing man, although I am certain of this. Yeah? Dr. Colossus. I thought you were going to say Norm. <laughs> Dr. Colossus is a pretty good guess, though. Wait a minute. This from, we had a reader, not a reader, a listener, a listener. theory. A listener theory. <laughs> Don't know that that's going to be a regular bit, but listener theory. Uh, God, I should have looked up this dude's name. It was Michael something. Yep. Not Michael Irving this time. It was a different Michael. <laughs> but he said, uh, he asked us if there was, if we would entertain the theory that Norman and Dr. Colossus are the same person. And to be completely honest, when I when he tweeted that to us, yep. I actually felt the room spin. It was so it's been in front of us all along. Yeah. And yet we didn't bloody get there. These theories that we've been presenting as separate theories may be connected. I mean, I think we need to do our research. We need to dig into this. We need to really think about Dr. Colossus and the role he plays in the show. He doesn't pop up until episode, not episode, season five, officially, mm. when he is introduced as one of the ex-husbands of the Malibu Stacy lady. Yes. But his presence is definitely felt. Oh, his definite his, yeah. his definite. Just as Norm, the specter of Norm, hangs over the entire show. and um, Was the, that on Twitter that that guy got in contact with her? Yes. Yeah, I'm looking for it now. I can't see it. And when I think it's Al Jean, the showrunner or whatever of the show right now, has said his ideal ending for the show 
would be that it ends with the Simpsons going to see the uh, Christmas performance that happens in the first episode, yep. implying that the show happens in a loop, and Norm is so pivotal to that scene. I feel like Norm's shadow hangs over the entire series in yes. the same way that Colossus is obviously working behind the scenes. Oh, man. It's all connected. Are you looking for the guy on Twitter? Yeah, I'm still looking Just for so the we guy. can say what his name is. Well, I feel like we should... He knows who he is. I feel, no, I feel like we We've should We've talked about him, him for 25 minutes. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I'll stop looking for Start it. Start with man. a H. Uh, uh, yeah, there's a... Uh, I think that's just about everything we had to talk about for these two episodes. There is a business called Gum for Less, which I initially read as Come for Less. In Michael Hanrahan. Episode. Hanrahan. Michael Hanrahan. Michael Bangerang. Got it. Thanks, man. Cheers. All right. So, do you have anything else to say on either Itchy and Scratchy and Marge and Poochie or Bug gets hit by a car or Bug no. gets hit by Itchy, Scratchy and Marge or Itchy, Scratchy and Marge get hit by a car, whatever the whatever these episodes were called? Uh, no, I've got nothing more to say on these episodes. Uh, does anyone else in the room perhaps have anything to say about them? I quite like these episodes, and not a lot of people know that. Michael Caine! Hello. It's me, Michael Caine. Oh, uh, you know, I know I told you to fuck off earlier, but I kind of missed you for the recording. How, how have things been? Uh, they've been alright. Yeah? I haven't been doing much. Uh, what's Christopher Nolan like to work with? Christopher Nolan? Yeah. Who's he then? <laughs> oh no, he directed the Batman film, isn't he? Yeah, and The Prestige and Inception. Have I been in all them? You have been. Not a lot of people know that. Mr. Caine. <laughs> Finally, finally got the reference to work. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's a that's a perfect point to end on, I think. All right. So, yep, follow us on Twitter if you want to. Keith Springfield, are you lying down? <laughs> we have ep- another episode to record after this. It's the second episode I've ended lying down. Um. So, uh, yeah, we're we're Keith Springfield on. On Twitter, yep. make sure you start all tweets with dear purveyors of senseless violence. Yep, um, there's I'm definitely d- enough characters for that. Absolutely. I'm Nick Ibis. I am Jaikel, J-I-C-K-L-E. We are, we're also on Facebook, Pods in the Kia Springfield. We have a Tumblr, but I wouldn't bother following it. It's just links to the podcast episodes. Uh, like, subscribe, recommend to your friends, you know, all the things you're meant to do. You know, they do matter, so all the things that you yeah. know you're meant to do when you like a podcast that people don't do but should do. That'll be heaps handy. Yeah. Uh, and until next time, which for us is going to be in about two hours because we're recording back to back. Yep. Uh, Woozer Wuzzle. Noodles. What noodles? Wow. coming back they're doing a movie it's called hey arnold the jungle movie hey arnold goes into the jungle and the jungle says hey is it, arnold is this for real yeah this is real this is happening why is it happening because nickelodeon is doing a bunch of read say it properly nickelodeon do i have to say that every time i mention nickelodeon i believe so i think it's contractual nickelodeon you made it sound less like a theme song sting and more like someone with a chronic stuttering issue. <laughs> no, that was if Porky Pig was announcing Nickelodeon. <laughs> what if Porky Pig real life? <laughs> what if Porky got a cell phone?
Porky gets a cell phone. Yeah, what would happen, do you think? Uh, do you mean Porky Pig, or do you mean Porky's the 80s movie with very strong undertones of sexual assault? I mean Porson Pig. Porson? Porson Pig. Porcine Pig. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to Equine Pig, the horse pig. <laughs> Are you thinking of, like, was there a cat dog sort of variant with a pig and a horse? Um, I, there may have been. Was it Porcine Equine Little Pig Horse? Porcine Equine Little Pig Horse. Pig horse. Porcine equine saves the day, of course. You want me to grab my guitar and do a porcine equine I got no further jokes about the pork horse. Yeah, I've got got none about the pork horse. (laughs) 